It sounds cliche, but in yeah. general, the salespeople don't like the CRM. They don't see the value. They yeah. don't see how that helps them complete their work. And in a lot of instances, they're right. CRM was constructed purely by the direction of the executive committee, but very little thought is generally put into, all right, how are the salespeople actually going to be interacting with the system? Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Your CRM system is key to managing your customer relationships and providing the customer experience to help you stand out among your competitors. While most organizations may use some form of CRM system, the adoption rate is low. Most CRM systems are either over-engineered making them difficult to use and maintain, or under-engineered with data quality issues, a roadblock to CRM system adoption. In today's episode, we have our guest, Shemis Ruiz Earl, who discusses the core reasons for the low adoption of CRM systems among sales teams. He also discusses how to evaluate a CRM and the nuances of selecting a CRM for specific industries considering their unique business processes. Finally, he provides insights into why data integrity, security, and migration issues are essential to consider while selecting and creating a standard operating procedures around CRM processes to avoid significant dollar expenses because of data corruption and integrity issues. Let me introduce Shamus to you. Shamus Rees Earl is Managing Director of Carabiner Group a leading Salesforce consultancy. At 18, he was recognized as the youngest trailblazer and Dreamforce keynote panelist in Salesforce history. Today, he leads a group of subject matter experts who embrace long-term partnership to optimize CRM across a wide variety of industry verticals. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, welcome to the show, Shemus. Thanks for having me, Sam. Good to be here. Okay, it's a pleasure. And I'm super excited to discuss the topic of CRM and anything related to sales is always exciting for me. So just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus? Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, I guess it, it, it starts actually as a, believe it or not, a 17-year-old trying to break into the investment banking industry. I wanted more than anything to work in high finance. And so I cold called a whole bunch of investment banks, said, give me a job, I'll do anything. 25 of them said, no way, kid, you're, you're too young. Um, <laughs> number 26 said, hey, we need some help with our CRM. Have you ever heard of Salesforce before? As a 17-year-old, I, I never had, but I spent the next six months learning the system, becoming uh, familiar with it, and ultimately ended up working with that bank part-time for the next two and a half years, helping them with their CRM. Along the way, uh, I learned a lot, 
was able to speak at, at various different events and, and really made the decision to transition and work more on the CRM marketing automation side rather than in the high finance space. And since then, have had the great opportunity to kind of grow a firm and, and, and work with customers all across the United States, Europe, and APAC. Okay, wonderful. So the entrepreneurial journey is going to be very exciting. Obviously, I am going to be digging a lot in your CRM journey and different implementations that you have seen. But before we do that, we have one of the standard questions here, and that is going to be your perspective on growth. When you think of word business growth, what does it mean to you? You know, growth is such an interesting topic, right? Because it, it, it is so, in my opinion, industry specific in that it, it hinges very much on the tactical decisions that you make on the industry that you enter into, the way you structure your business, and ultimately the way that you promote your business, right? A consultant is going to be not nearly as effective um, if they don't embrace the consultative you know, method of selling, whereas a manufacturing you know, business the consultative selling may not be the right way to go. And so I think that that really my perspective on growth is looking at those who have gone before, recognizing the pitfalls that they have come up against and amending your journey to try and avoid as many of those as possible, right? Every entrepreneur fails, but if we can avoid those failures and, and sort of springboard that growth further by learning from those who have come before us, I think that's you know the best way to approach it. Yeah, interesting perspective. And I'm very interested in, in, in the comment that you made related to manufacturing, right? So I'm actually going to give you a little bit brief in terms of the kind of, you know, manufacturing verticals that we typically see and their CRM needs. So as you know, as you have already stated that manufacturing is slightly different overall from the, from the CRM needs perspective, overall, the way their sales cycle work. Um, so majority of the manufacturers that we are going to have are going to be either some sort of, you know, make to stock uh, or it's going to be make to order is the term that we typically use in, in the manufacturing space. So typically make to stock is going to be where you are storing something, something in the inventory and you are selling, let's say, through your distribution channels. Majority of the manufacturers sell through their distribution channels unless they are more of the engineering shop. And in case of engineering shop, what is going to happen is you are going to get an order for a specific part. And then these manufacturers are going to be working on that specific part and, and supplying that. From the sales cycle perspective, as you can see, in the make to stock scenario, right? They are going to have many different sales channels. It's going to be your sort of the wholesale channel, which are your distributors. Then in case of engineering, the journey is going to be very different. And typically you don't have as much marketing automation. So from this uh, you know, description, can you talk about different nuances of different sales cycles that you have seen in the industries you have worked with and some of the some of the lesson learned that you have for these manufacturing um, you know, uh, customers or the listeners. Yeah, I think that there's there's a couple of highlights that you touch on there that are important to to pick on, and and one of those is the importance of handling those various different channels. Right, yeah. your CRM is supposed to serve, in theory, as you know the, the system of record for everything, and yeah. sometimes if it's not manufactured the right way, if it's not set up correctly, it can be difficult to get the clarity into the data. Um, that you would want to. An example of this would be one of our clients is a, a manufacturer based out of the Midwest. Yeah. And they have distributors across the United States, uh, in Canada, in South America, in Europe. And they've got, you know, maybe a hundred different distributors. And 
when we first started working with them, they didn't have uh, you know a way to track the various different metrics from each of those channels because each was different, right? And an often mi- misunderstood misconception of a CRM is the fact that it just works out of the box, right? And in yep. reality, most of the time, it needs to be custom tailored to your business and specific business needs. Now, once you get it there, right, that can be one of the, the greatest value adds possible. When you can tell that your distributor working out of Australia is performing miles ahead of the distributor working out of New Zealand, right? Similar yeah. areas, similar uh, markets, you know that that Australian distributor is doing something different, right? And that can lead you to go speak with them, gain insights into what they're doing, and then manufacture, hopefully, replicate that success in your other distributors, passing on best practices, tips and tricks, and that sort of thing. That's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Realistically, the CRM can do so much more. You're collecting all of this data. Once you get to that point, you can make that data actionable. You can say, hey, you know, over the last six months, 40% of the deals that get to a particular stage in your sales cycle actually close. And you can forecast that out from a CFO perspective to be able to have much more insight into the dependability of your revenue, the dependability of your funnel, and ultimately just be much more educated about the decisions that you're going to be, you know, necessarily be making to foster that growth inside the business. Okay, so uh, one of the interesting things that you mentioned during our pre-show is salespeople sometimes don't necessarily like the CRM or they don't feel like uh, entering the data. And obviously, in our case, I mean, when we are working with CRM or or ERP, or for that matter, any system, data is the foundation. Data quality is always going to be the foundation. So what have you done or what have you seen in your experience that number one, these salespeople don't really feel like interacting with a system or what are the challenges that you have seen? Why they don't like to interact with the system? Yeah, you know, it sounds cliche, but in general, the salespeople don't like the CRM, right? Um, (laughs) They don't see the value. They don't see how that helps them complete their, their work. And in a lot of instances, they're right. You know, CRM was constructed purely by the direction of the executive committee, purely by the direction for for having, quote unquote, insight into uh, what's going on in the company, reporting and that sort of thing. But very little thought is generally put into, all right, how are the salespeople actually going to be interacting with the system? And that's the Achilles heel, right? Because if the data doesn't get in, then you're not able to act on it. And there's things that that we generally tend to, to look at. One is, how much of that data collection can we automate, right? There are necessarily um, data pass-throughs from ERP or other systems through you know, an, an API connection where we can port data in in an automated fashion so that as much as possible is kind of taken off of the salesperson's back, right? Whether that's yeah. you know, automatically tracking emails or phone calls or you know, link clicks, you know, this sort of thing can be ported into uh, a CRM relatively easily. The other element of it is to incentivize the salespeople to actually put the data in. And, you know, there's two elements to that. There's the carrot and the stick, right? Which one is more effective? And and ultimately, you know, I think it's a combination of both, right? If you make a mandate that you don't get paid on anything that doesn't live inside your CRM, they're going to be pretty quick to, to start putting that data in. But if we can incentivize them through the carrot method, right, of asking them, okay, in in a perfect world, what would your CRM do for you that would actually add value, right? Listen to them, do focus groups, understand their impulses, and then 
actually put that in place, they're automatically incentivized to do it. Not only does it make them more efficient in their jobs, usually, you know, salespeople, they, they want to spend as much time selling as possible. And so they're, they're up for whatever it takes to kind of help them do that. Yeah. And as a result, you get the data clarity and the data quality that is so actionable and, and such a priority later on. Yeah. And uh, I am actually going to tell you a little a brief story of my experience, to be honest. And this is the perception I also had, especially when we talk about the manufacturing sector. Uh, you know, my perception of manufacturing was always that, especially even if you talk about, you know, salespeople, that they are not going to be as technology savvy. But when I visited one of the customers and this particular salesperson was super excited and it's not just one salesperson, okay, it was their entire team. And their comment was, you know what, if I'm not going to have CRM, then how am I going to remember all of these interacts that I have been keeping in my CRM? So they were really living the CRM journey the way it is supposed to be done because, you know, you want to make sure that when you are talking to your customer, you want to make sure that you are remembering all of the interaction. And before they open their mouth, you want to tell something that you really care for them. I mean, that's a way to sort of show the care for your customer. So in their case, what they did is obviously they had this email add-on and as part of the email add-on, what they, you know, it was super easy for them because they didn't really have to visit the, the CRM, right? So what they did is they were, they were doing the data dump um, using this email add-on, which is amazing. But when you get into the migration scenario, right? So migrating data is always going to be tricky. So you did mention that, you know, when you, uh, when you migrate from one CRM to the next, Obviously, it's going to be very tricky and all always going to be expensive process. And from my experience of doing the data work, I know that how tricky it is going to get to uh, you know migrate these email objects, uh, this technical data to be able to get to the next CRM system. So tell me your perspective. Do you recommend, let's say, these email add-ons as part of the interaction? Does it create any issues when you do the migration, especially when you are migrating from one CRM to the next? You know, I think that there's always going to be very serious considerations whenever yeah. putting in a process like that, right? Yeah. And ultimately, you have to think about, all right, what's your strategic plan? We started out talking about growth, right? Um, yeah. In the manufacturing space, growth is so dependent on numerous factors, but one of those is scalability of knowledge, right? Yeah. In my opinion. And the simple fact of the matter is that everybody out there can think of, you know, in an existing business, that one person who knows everything there is to know about the product, right? The yeah. tribal knowledge is all in that person's head and it's so valuable, right? The yeah. person leaves, retires, does whatever, that knowledge is gone forever and becomes entirely unactionable unless you have a plan in place to, 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 to pull it out and, and put it in a place where people can access it after that person's left. And I think that that's something that's often overlooked, right? When we're, we're talking about these systems, you know, a, an email add-on, that could be the right way to do it. A notepad app, that could be the right way to do it. There's so many different ways, you know, they're, they're coming out with new things every day now where th this call right here could be automatically you know, transcribed and attached to a, a Salesforce record or something like that. These these things are coming out and, and we'll see even more of it over the next few years. But what, what you really have to think about is, is the roadmap. That's what it always comes down to for me. Yep. If you're comfortable being a 10 person company working in a small scale environment, very specialized equipment, entirely relationship driven, you're selling to you know five major customers in the United States and that's your entire market. Well, maybe it's not as important to have a super 
spec'd out system, process, et cetera, et cetera. If you're looking to grow that five-person team up to you know, 50 or 100, process from the very beginning becomes so important. Even from an inventory management perspective, even from a closing on quarters to, to tracking the process of orders, to tracking where that case is in transit, has it hit the dock yet? You know, all of these various different elements become that much more important to have right from the beginning, or if not have right from the beginning, have a, have a goal in mind that you want to get to, right? The, the, a great example would be a company that, that we've worked with in manufacturing space. They work in, in specifically high tech, uh, industrial manufacturing equipment. Yeah. And it's very, very much custom, you know, made to order pieces and, it's oftentimes the case where you'll need to have insight into, you know, budgets if it's an ed- institution, or um, you know, fiscal quarters if it's a corporate uh, setting. And by leveraging the CRM, this organization was able to increase their clarity of the overall picture of the business and allocate yeah. resources appropriately. An example of that would be rather than pushing to produce all of those different stages and, and setups at the end of one quarter, they were able to you know, basically triage and say, actually, these three systems should be done this quarter, these four the next, and these five, you know, their budget isn't ready, we can push them to the next one. And they didn't need to buy the inventory to produce those, they didn't need to invest the time in, in lab techs to build them. All of these various different parts of the business all came through the data clarity that they could have because they set up their CRM correctly from the get-go. Right. And as a result, they have, you know, they've been able to grow significantly because they have that greater clarity and that greater um, confidence in the data they're seeing. Okay, Amazing. So I definitely want to touch a little bit more on this migration aspect, because, uh, you know, we see a common trend in the uh, in the system community when, uh, let's say, uh, some of these manufacturers are buying the CRMs. So their inclination, obviously, I mean, they don't necessarily have as much IT background. Uh, or data migration background. And sometimes these issues could be tricky to deal with when you are moving from one system to the next. When you buy, let's say, one CRM system and you are going to think that, you know, this is really easy to probably understand. Maybe, uh, you know, they bought it because, you know, they felt that it was going to be super easy for them to pick up, to set up, to to, to train their, their salespeople. They simply buy it. But uh, the next CRM system that they are going to get, obviously, they are going to outgrow that CRM system and, and they need the next one. So migrating data from one system to the next is always going to be time consuming. It's always going to be risky. It's also going to be very expensive, especially if you're talking about manufacturers who are probably paying, <laughs> let's say, $100, $200 per month in their CRM. And all of a sudden, if they are going to see a bill of, let's say, you know, I don't know, $50,000, $100,000 for migrating this data, uh, it could be a tricky situation to be. So tell us, I mean, from your technical background, obviously, why is migration so difficult when you migrate CRM 1 to CRM 2? Yeah, you know, it's it's such an interesting topic, right? Because ultimately, whenever you start a business, cash flow is of, of integral importance, right? Um, manufacturing even more so because you have to worry about the materials and the, you know, the capital that you're pushing into that. So CRMs and software in general is often the first place to see cuts. Um, yep. Going with the, just the, the the less expensive options, and we can't really fault people for doing that because it's you know it's at the beginning and and they don't have the cash flow to to make that change. The problem comes where basically the analogy that we use is you're trying to take a 
let's call it a, a circular shape and and place it into a star <laughs> a star yeah. hole right and that you have to trim here and you have to add a little bit there and you have to mold it all together and make it so that it fits just right for the new data model right yeah. and and that's the challenge is that it is time intensive it is extremely time intensive and any consultant or consulting business or data migration business charges by the hour, most likely, yeah. right? That's their metric. That's their, their, their service. And so when you really look at it, the overall investment that you save at the be, you know, from the beginning to say year two of your business by using a, a budget CRM tool, that might be, you know, useful and, and it might have, have enabled you to, to get to a certain level, but ultimately it's going to cost you in the long run simply because you have to take something as simple as a date being formatted month, day, year, and change that to be year, date, month, right? And, you know, and, and that gets replicated across hundreds of fields and dozens of objects and, and multiple different systems, let alone saying you know, all the different integrations that you might have with your ERP system and with your accounting and with your um, financial department. So it's just one of the most challenging elements possible. And that's why I personally place a huge advantage on taking the time from the get-go and saying, again, what is our plan for growth, right? Being realistic about it, not saying you're going to go from zero to 100 million in a year, unless that's, you know, realistic for, for, for your industry, but really being realistic and saying, okay, if we hit this number in revenue, we really are going to need a real CRM. Doesn't make sense to, to, to make that investment now, or at the very least get to something similar to that so that the you know migration doesn't cost you know an arm and a leg. Okay, so interesting comment there with respect to real CRM. So obviously, you know, uh, the when we talk about the basic functionality of CRM, I mean, majority of the CRM systems I I know, I mean, they are probably going to have some sort of way of capturing the lead. They are probably going to have some sort of way to capture the opportunity, maybe an account, right? This is all standard now. Obviously, when we talk about a very sophisticated CRM system, the name could be uh, Salesforce or or any of the competitors, right? Uh, or it could be it could be any other CRM. So these CRMs are designed for a specific purpose. They are designed to keep a specific industry in mind. In my mind, when I look at any of these systems, uh, if they are designed for a specific industry, if you try to implement that system in a completely different industry, okay? Irrespective of how good the system is, it's not going to work because it's not really designed for that. So from your experience, what are some of the things that you have seen in case of a CRM that, that let's say, the manufacturer should definitely look for while evaluating a CRM? Well, I think that there's a couple of different elements. One is how complex are your channels, right? We touched on that before. Where are your leads coming from and, and how enriched are they when they come in? The second is what does your sales process look like once the lead is in place, right? Yeah. Because, you know, if you want it to be very customized, a lot of people, right, you got to think about this. If you're setting up a CRM for the first time, it means that you've probably gone through and experienced something from another firm before, right? You've experienced another company's sales process. And there will be elements of that sales process that you really want to sit down and document and say, I want this functionality. I want that one. I want to be able to send emails. I want to have triggers. I want to have all of these various different function sets as part of my sales process. And finally, you want to be able to see, think about how do you want your CRM to integrate with the other systems that you have in place? No one is going to be able to say that, yeah, you know, CRM is going to do everything that you need. You're going to need an ERP. You're going to need an accounting system. You're going to need, you know, maybe a human resources system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And 
too often the decision is made without considering all of those different elements and you get down that road and then realize, oh wait, it can't integrate with my ERP or it can integrate with my accounting system or it doesn't actually have the ability to fire off triggers and do the various tasks that I wanted it to do. And that's where you see kind of the difference between the term that I use about real CRMs and fake CRMs or whatever you want to call it base level is that most of the inexpensive options, the ones that are, you know, kind of created are are meant for simple, not terribly advanced, complex sales cycles. They're meant to be to serve almost as as just a lead tracking mechanism, a Rolodex um, yeah. digitally. And if you want to be able to make that data eventually be actionable, you want to kind of have that in mind from the get go. Again, there's nothing wrong with having a simple sales cycle or, or a simple sales process, but you just have to recognize if you have one or not when you're making the decision, because the worst possible solution would be, hey, we think it's going to, you know, it's simple now because I have one salesperson, but a year down the line, you might have 10. And then what, right? Does it still work in, in what you want it to do? 20, you know, two years down the line, you might have 25. What are the different challenges there? So really taking the, that strategic look at it and saying, okay, what do I want the system to do? And how do I want to get there? That's where it really becomes critical. An example of this one would be, an, you know, and actually an ed tech um, that, that we work with. Yeah. and in their instance, they started out very consciously by subscribing to the base level of Salesforce. It was something yeah. like $25 a user a month, something like that. Still more expensive than a free CRM, right? And at the time, it was a significant investment for the company to make. Fast forward you know, four years, they've been able to grow going to the $75 user a month up to the $150 a user a month as they've grown, unlocking those feature sets that they thought that they would need back three years ago. And so that They've saved the money along the way. They haven't been paying out the nose for the solution, but they've been able to avoid that costly data migration and ultimately know exactly when they need it, that they're going to be able to turn on those other feature sets and, and make use of them. A similar th- case could be made for manufacturing, right? We're, yeah. Right now, there's there's two channels. It's pretty simple. Okay, you don't need anything super complex, but all right, next year, you're planning on going intercontinental or next year, you're planning on opening up a different product line tailored to a specific you know, channel of institutions, educational institutions, and you know that that's just going to be much more complicated and you're going to want it, you know, that process to be customized. Well, then you need to pick a system that's able to do that. And a lot of these, you know, free products or or inexpensive products just don't have the malleability that more of the enterprise level uh, candidates do. Okay, so let's talk about some of these channels a little bit more. So let's say, obviously, there could be a lot of different ways of interpreting a, a channel. So are these channels defined, especially in a CRM system, are they going to be more from the perspective of sales process or are these real sales channels the way the sales channels work in the physical world? So can you provide some examples of these sales channels? Yeah, I mean, a sales channel could be anything from partnership that you have with a company to a, yeah. you know, a person on the ground in another country yeah. to you know, a website right? That, that, that may or may not be branded for your organization or maybe it's a reseller. All of these various different things, more likely than not, if you have a sophisticated system, will be treated differently and you know the sale will be conducted differently. Different margins, different production processes, different yeah. delivery processes, right? All yeah. of those set aside and like you know, you have to consider very carefully, all right, what is it that I want to have happen? In a sophisticated system like that, those would be treated differently in an internal way, right? They would be treated 
I want to see all of my leads, all of my sales that came from my channel partner in Austria, right? Yeah. Okay. You pull a report. All of that detail has been passed into a CRM and you can report on it, making it actionable, right? You definitely want to be able to, to make your system fit your process because each channel is so uniquely different, right? At least the channel designation would be, right? You know, a channel yeah. partner can mean so many different things. It can, and, 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 and the relationships there can be so different. And so from a CFO perspective, you'll be able to have greater rec- reporting and forecasting if you do it in, in, in a smart way. From a COO perspective, you'll be able to say, okay, here's where, you know, the operations are falling apart when we get these leads in from this particular channel source. This is a, you know, hot spot. The only way that you're able to make those, again, management, key management decisions is to see the data and make, you know, the actionable intel. As a C, it is so often that we're forced to make these critical decisions. And the unfortunate reality of the situation is that a lot of people don't have the data in front of them to make them in a smart way, in an actionable way that ultimately affects your company, it affects your your employees, um, it affects your customers, right? Whereas if you can see that data and make the educated decision, you'll be able to be much more confident in those choices, much more assured in in sort of the the events that might be coming. And that, that sort of icing on the cake, you'll be able to ultimately become more profitable and, and allocate resources, you know, in a, in a more efficient, you know, optimized way. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. And I would like to go a little bit deeper into this. And let's talk about some of the roles of these, uh, these entities, right? So when we look at mapping the physical process that we might have from the sales uh, perspective, and obviously that needs to be mapped in the system, the way the system is designed or defined, but then, you know, in some cases, I, I'll give you some example, right, uh, of scoping of all of these entities. So, for example, let's say if we take an example of a lead. Now, a lead for you could be very different from how I would like to understand or define a lead. So sometimes because of that misunderstanding, what is going to happen is, you know, what I could put the entire company in, in, in my lead. And irrespective of the CRM system you use, I mean, obviously, there is a reason why they are calling it as a lead. And there is a scope of, you know, of that lead, how that should be treated and how that should be mapped. But let's say if somebody is doing the CRM implementation by themselves, I mean, they just don't know. They might create tons and tons of custom fields. And based on that, they might capture the data just because they didn't know that, you know, they are supposed to be mapping this process completely. So do you have any stories or example where, uh, you know, people have simply over engineered the system and because of that you had tons and tons of issues do you have any any examples or stories there by any chance goodness i mean where to begin right that's that's the unfortunate reality of the situation is that i any way you go there are always risks and pitfalls right yeah um and that you over engineer the system (laughs) and you're right you'll have hundreds you'll have hundreds of custom fields that need to be maintained you under engineer it and you don't have the data that you need to make those those intelligent decisions that we're talking about. That ed tech company that I was speaking about before, we were engaged because they had a a data cleanliness issue where they had tried to export information and re-import it back in. They managed to mis mismap the fields and ultimately their entire database was fouled up by this import. And yep. You know, they were seeing different states everywhere and, and all sorts of things. And ultimately it, it happened because they had over-engineered the system. Yeah. And they thought, you know, I need to store every single piece of detail um, in an individual field. I need to do it in this particular way, simply because this is what my own, you know, logic tells me. And 
I'm very fond of saying that like you hire smart people and you you, you ask them to tell you what to do rather yeah. than telling them what to do. And uh, in this instance, I think that was something similar where they just went kind of seat of their pants. They made that decision without thinking about it from a point of data and saying, all right, what is the logical way to do this from a subject matter expert? On the flip side, right, when you're looking at optimization and saying, hey, you're tracking you're tracking some data in here, but it's not really the smartest sub- subset of data that could be considered actionable later. Let's say that you've got five custom fields in here when you really need 15. Yeah. That's a better problem to have in, in all honesty. I mean, in, in one of our clients' cases, they were simply tracking the relationships that they had, the person at the company, what type of product they were selling to that person, the revenue that was coming back, but they weren't going the level deeper. They weren't saying, okay, specifically, what is the problem that that person is trying to solve? What was the element about this deal that made us successful as opposed to our competitors? And so on and so on. And I I think that that ultimately ties back to the fact that that's the greatest potential for growth. I'm sure that many of the listeners here have a CRM right now, and they might be wondering, you know, how do I make that? How do I make the change? How do I make it more actionable? And yeah. you, you really have to sit down and think, all right, what would I want to know? You know, in, in, a, in a perfect world, if I had perfect clarity, what is the detail that I want to know about this deal that would help me close it? And if you can't get that detail at the time of the, the deal, well, you get it after the deal, right? And, and you, you put it back in, you can create this historical backlog, you can, you can analyze deals based off of, you know, the historical nature of them, where this one took 45 days to close and it has this particular factor, whereas that one took 60 days to close and it takes a different type of factor. You can imagine all of these you know, components slotting together to be able to give you, I, I, I say it again, the actionable intel that, that's so crucial to, to operating a business you know, in an intelligent way. Okay, interesting. So one of the things that you mentioned in your comment related to this whole Excel interfacing with the CRM, obviously, uh, you know, one of the notion or uh, the comment that we typically get when people compare, let's say, CRM versus ERP, uh, they just seem to think and, and believe that, you know, CRM is going to be slightly easier uh, and ERP is going to be, you know, slightly more difficult or maybe outdated to to, to some extent. And one of the reasons why they feel this way is obviously data structure that we are going to have in case of an ERP that is very tight, okay? It has a lot of rules. So whatever crazy things that we can do, let's say in the CRM world, we will not be able to do those in ERP. So one of the story and the example that I am actually going to tell you related to CRM, especially with respect to the Excel interfacing, obviously I love it, the the interfacing of the Excel, just because I can do a lot of data manipulation, you know, right then, and obviously my system is not gonna complain as much uh, as long as I have some or decent understanding of how the Excel interface is going to work. Let's say if I'm simply importing a lead on the CRM or maybe I'm importing some of the opportunities, right? So one of the instances uh, and the example that I have seen in, in, in a company where the person, he or she just didn't know how to properly do the the import in the CRM and they actually did the import using the spreadsheet and after that, oh my goodness, it was a chaos, okay? They were seeing all of these random data elements inside the CRM and the company did not know how to fix it, to be honest. Uh, they hired a bunch of consultants <laughs> and even for them, it was very hard because they were not able to track how basically to fix 
this situation. So obviously the Excel functionality or the interface could be great, but I mean, the CRM is not gonna have as tighter control overall from the rules perspective. So obviously if you break your data and if you are doing it on the live instance, because if you don't have, let's say the test instance in some of these smaller organizations, you, you don't even have that. And let's say you, if you corrupt this data, right? Would you recommend providing the Excel functionality to the entire team? What would be your process when you are sort of allocating these permissions for the Excel interface of the CRM? Would you recommend that you know they need to have some sort of test system before the data can be promoted in the live system in the CRM? So overall, from the Excel interfacing perspective, what would be your recommendation in creating the procedures so that nobody goes through this experience? Lock it down. <laughs> That's my, 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 my perspective, right? I mean, literally millions of dollars, probably you're getting close to billions of dollars a year yeah. are lost because of bad data. And this yeah. is an issue, right? Of yeah. People bringing stuff out into Excel because they don't like working inside of Salesforce or HubSpot <laughs> or whatever they're working in, screwing up the data and then pushing it back in again, right? Yeah. It's First of all, it's unnecessary, right? Yeah. Any high quality CRM will be, you know, it will, it could enable you to make that change, make those changes in the system, right? Where you don't have a, a, a concern about uh, corrupting the data. Yeah. And secondly, your data quality and cleanliness is so important. There needs to be a justified method through which changes are, are made en masse. Yeah. And, and that really sits down in deciding who is the responsible party who has the knowledge yeah. expertise and skill set to control that. Um, it happened recently. Someone well-mannered in one of our clients in uh, in the, the southern region of the United States, they are our manufacturing client. And this individual decided that they wanted to enrich their contact database. <laughs> and they exported it out in Excel. They yeah. merged it with another database. And they tried to re-import it. And it created 168,000 say it again, 168,000 duplicate contacts. Oh, wow. <laughs> 168,000, right? That yeah. That not only got synced to every single person in the company's cell phone, it also had drastic implications for, you know, like account management, right? Because the territory was based on how many people are in this company. And so accounts got shifted around, territories got shifted around, all sorts of bad stuff, right? Yeah. Luckily, we, we were engaged with that client and we saw it happen as it happened. And we were able to reverse the changes because we caught it in time. With that being said, most people aren't that lucky, right? And yep. you're completely correct of once it happens, a consultant who gets brought in to fix it is sort of operating in the dark. They don't know your business, yep. don't know your processes. They don't know what's supposed to be there and what isn't. And that too gets very, very expensive. And so being more conservative with the, the security over your data, right? Who can pull data out? Who can push data back in? That's always a smart move from a CRM perspective. Hey, Seamus, this has been an insightful discussion. That's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts by any chance? Yeah, you know, I think that this is this is so such an important topic, regardless of which industry you're in, but particularly in the manufacturing world, because yeah. the CRM can be so much more than just a system of record, right? We like to, to use an analogy where the CRM is like the center of the wagon wheel right, where all of these spokes are going out to the various different systems and all the data is being brought in and be made actionable inside of your CRM. 
And if you take that step, right, if you take that leap and, and, and really choose to invest in it, the implications for the business are just huge. So much of what we do today is relationship driven. And a CRM has relationship in the name, right? That's what it's meant to do. It's supposed to help you build relationships and sell systems better in a much more personable way, automating it, just making your team that much more empowered to do the good work that you know that they can do. So ultimately, the, my closing thoughts are to keep in mind is optimization and efficacy, right? People can get there by optimizing their systems and becoming more effective in the way that they think about their sales processes. Yeah, interesting. And, and my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be IT systems are hard. Just because you are getting $30 subscription, it does not mean that IT system is going to be any easy. So be conservative the way you utilize your system and the way you provide control to your team. On that note, I really want to thank you for your time, Shannon. It's been a fun conversation. I learned so much. Thanks for having me, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Shamus, head over to carabinergroup.com. It's C-A-R-A-B-I-N-E-R-G-R-O-U-P.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Jill Walker, who discusses why CRM is important and how that fits among other systems such as ERP and e-commerce. Also, the interview with Jeff White, who discusses why it is so important to identify the ideal customer profile for your offerings to streamline your growth. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or dm me on any social channels i'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help thank you and i hope to catch you on the next episode of the wbs podcast thank you for listening to another episode of the wbs podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode for more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.